for Thursday, July 1st, 2021. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE, answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, since March of 2020, we've brought you scores of conversations about different aspects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Normally, I'm the one in the host chair for those interviews. But today, something a little different. We'll turn the tables and I'll play the guest. And we'll look at the origins of the podcast and what's coming next. That's next. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hey y'all, I'm Mark Kendall. And I'm David Perdue. And we're the hosts of What's Good Atlanta, the new weekly comedy podcast from WABE. On What's Good Atlanta, we run down uplifting and unusual headlines from the universe known as Atlanta. And while we may not be journalists, we are comedians and we'll be breaking down news and breaking down the stories that make you smile. We're just trying to see what's good, Atlanta. Episodes drop Fridays at WABE.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I get mine from a guy named Craig. Shout out to Craig. Mm-hmm. WABE. <laughs> This podcast has been bringing you in-depth conversations about the pandemic since March of last year. For today's episode, we're peeling back the curtain a bit to look at the show's origins and where it's headed next. In the host chair is WABE Managing Editor Alex Helmick, and for once, I'll be answering the questions instead of asking them. Here's our conversation. So, Sam, this is a bit uh, unorthodox, but uh, it sounds like I'm going to be interviewing you for this podcast. So I guess, Sam Whitehead, thanks for being here. Yeah, Alex, thank you so much for doing this. I'm uh, excited to be here talking with you about what we've been doing for the last, God, 18 months now. Yeah, it has been quite a slog. And I do want to go back to the very beginning of this, where we started to hear about this coronavirus thing overseas, and we thought, is it going to come here? What are we going to do? Tell us how and when the coronavirus first got on your radar. Yeah, so I was looking back through my emails uh, today because what I was looking for was the first media advisory that I remember getting from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention about this novel virus, this thing that we had never seen before. If you want to remember back to like late 2019, early 2020, the thing the CDC was paying a lot of attention to at that point in time was something called Evoli. So this was, you know, e-cigarette and vaping related lung illness. It really rolls off the tongue. (laughs) You know, these are people who were getting sick and dying 
dying um, from using e-cigarettes and, and vaping uh, THC products in particular. So it was late 2019, early 2020, I get this press release from the CDC about this thing they're watching overseas, this new virus. And honestly, I didn't think it was much of anything. I think I actually deleted the email and I didn't attend that press briefing. But it became apparent pretty soon after that, once the CDC kept talking about the kind of developing issues that we were seeing in Wuhan and China, um, that this was something that was going to have the potential to really supplant the uh, vaping lung illness as the major public health issue that we were going to be dealing with. It seems like so long ago. (laughs) You know, I know it was only a year and a half, but it seems like so long ago. When did you know it was going to be a big story? You know, if we want to go from that time in late 2019, early 2020, I was filing stories on this for for us at WABE, for NPR, for Marketplace, uh, you know, in January and February. I was the person at, you know, parties at that point in time telling all of my friends like, hey, have you have you heard about this? This is potentially going to be a really big deal. And people kind of giving me blank stares because I think the public wasn't really aware, you know, at that point early in 2020, how big this had the potential to be. What a joy you are, Sam Whitehead at parties. Yeah. Talking about (laughs) a possible pandemic while at parties. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, I will say normally at parties, I'm the one who, as soon as I find someone who has any kind of connection to the health space, I just kind of corner them and grill them because it's a great way to get uh, information about what's happening in the world. But I I remember the moment where it actually kind of hit me um, that this really was going to be a big deal. This was in late February. I think that the the 26th was the actual date, uh, February 26, 2020 that the Centers for Disease Control did one of these press calls, which they had been doing pretty regularly at this point with people pretty high up in the organization. And thank you all for joining us for today's update on CDC's COVID-19 response. We are joined today by Dr. Nancy Messonnier, Director of CDC's National Center for Immunization and Respiratory Diseases. And uh, Dr. Nancy Messonnier, who was you know one of the top folks at CDC, on this call in late February, I just talked really frankly about what was coming. Ultimately, we expect we will see community spread in this country. It's not so much a question of if this will happen anymore, but rather more a question of exactly when this will happen and how many people in this country will have severe illness. I understand this whole situation may seem overwhelming and that disruption to everyday life may be severe. But these are things that people need to start thinking about now. I had a conversation with my family over breakfast this morning, and I told my children that while I didn't think that they were at risk right now, we as a family need to be preparing for significant disruption of our lives. You know, normally on these CDC press calls, you don't get a lot of personality out of these public health officials. You know, it's not really their job to talk about their personal lives. And so it was just really striking to hear Dr. Messonnier talk about conversations she was having with her family. And, you know, and Alex, I I remember after that call, I texted my wife. She's a a teacher. Uh, You know, everyone was still in school in person. This was before anything had shut down last year. And I said, hey, um, I just got off this call where the top infectious disease experts in the country sounded pretty concerned. So so maybe this is something that we should start thinking about really seriously. That was really the moment that it, it hit home for me. 
So let's do a little bit of navel gazing here, Sam, because uh, the did you wash your hands, Cognoscenti, the fanboys, the lovers of this podcast want to know when, how this the launching of this podcast, how does that come about? What's that process like? It was really quick. So from late February, when Dr. Messonnier kind of made that pronouncement, uh, it took us just a few weeks to get the podcast up and running. You know, Alex, you were there for a number of those early conversations that we had with other people at WABE. And, and kind of the, the consensus was that we knew this was going to be a big story, but we didn't know its contours. Like we didn't know how long this would be a big story. We didn't know how big of a story this would be, but we felt like it was important to use this as an opportunity to dive deep on a topic that we really expected our audience to get really interested in really quickly. So the process, you know, it was a few meetings. We came up with a name. We we picked our, our theme music, which our listeners um, probably have burned into their brains. I know I, know I do. And just kind of started not necessarily knowing where this would go, where it would take us, necessarily the format of the show. I think in the moment it felt very hectic just to try to get something put together so quickly without necessarily a real roadmap for where we were going to take it. But from where we stand now, my, my hope is that since then, you know, looking back, we can maybe see a little bit of a, of a bigger picture that we've tried to paint one conversation at a time, even though we weren't necessarily uh, sure that we would be able to do that when we started. For me, one of the big things was like when we stopped reporting on individual deaths, because we would report when the first case happened in Georgia and the first person passed away from this in Georgia. And then we were starting to see the death numbers in Georgia and across the country, of course, increase. And then came just the powerful conversations you had with so many people over this past year. Plus, what conversations have stuck out to you most? Looking back, the ones that have really stuck with me are the, you know, conversations I've had with people who aren't necessarily, you know, officials, they're not, you know, people in elected office, but just kind of regular folks. I think of a conversation that I had with a person who I actually had a personal connection with. He was a former roommate who was a, a resident physician at a hospital out in West Georgia in Columbus. And this was, you know, spring of last year. And he had actually just recovered from a coronavirus infection and just really shared with me how scared he was, um, even as a young, relatively healthy person to, you know, encounter this disease that we still didn't know a lot about at the time. Um, I got out of the hospital and I just had to go sit on the grass and cry just from the sense of sort of what a near miss I knew that was. So any, anybody who's, who's coming down with coronavirus is rolling the dice. Um, I, I, I rolled my dice from about the best position that you could young, healthy guy. And I still feel like it, it just about killed me. The, there, there are, there's, there's some illusions that people like to keep to themselves that, they, you know, I'm young, I'm healthy, I, I have a good immune system, this, I don't really need to worry about this, but I don't think that's proving to be true with coronavirus. Uh, I, I feel, I feel very lucky that I made it through. I've been really struck, Alex, by how willing people have been to share their stories with me. You know, I also think of a conversation I had with a woman named Melita Nichols, who lives down in southwest Georgia. We first spoke in spring of last year um, about her daughter 
Nia Roberts, who was one of the youngest people at the time in the state to have died uh, from COVID-19. Her daughter was just 27 at the time. Melita had had COVID-19 herself. I just kind of was in a, a state of shock. It has been a roller coaster. I've had crying days. I've had, you know, happy days. It's just been a real a roller coaster. And everybody and, and family members and friends, we're just all trying to grasp, trying to wrap our heads around what has happened, you know, this last month or so um, with with the COVID-19 and, you know, Nia passing away, as well as people that we knew in the community that have passed away. I know of probably right offhand, maybe 15 people that I know that died from COVID-19. And, uh, um, and I found know, out since our initial conversation, she's lost other members of her family uh, to the pandemic. And so just, you know, people who are willing to answer a reporter's calls um, when they don't know me from Adam, uh, really, and share these really personal stories, those are the ones that have stuck with me. Me too. I was going to mention the mother and daughter as they were actually both hospitalized at the same time on the same floor, right? And they weren't able to go see each other because they were so concerned of how infectious this was. I think it's important that we have highlighted stories like that because other conversations that have stuck out to me, I've had a bunch of conversations with people who look at numbers, right? People who are statisticians, people who are modelers, who look at the statistics and kind of these big data sets. Those conversations are fascinating, but I think it's important that we pair those with conversations with individuals because I think, you know, if we think about these big numbers, more than 600,000 people in the U.S. that we know of who have died from COVID-19 there's a, an individual and a family behind each one of those numbers. So I, I think it's important that we've been able to tell both those kinds of stories. I mean, it's even bigger than that, isn't it? It's even bigger than family and friends. It, it's a community. It's my brother's roommate and, and oh, I knew him and, and he knew her. And it was it's like a whole system being completely fractured because of this, because so many people passed away, because so many people got sick, because so many people lost their jobs. And you've done such a good job putting that into perspective for us over this last year and a half. I wonder what's been the most surprising thing to see for you over the last year or so? I think what's been most surprising for me, Alex, was just seeing how ill-prepared our nation's public health system was to address this pandemic. You know, this is something that the former head of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention under the Trump administration, Robert Redfield, said himself, right? We kind of got caught back-footed here. And I've gotten this sense from people I've talked to in the public health space that there's this kind of understanding that pandemics are going to happen, right? Inevitably, we're going to have diseases that spread easily around the world. And if we're not ready to tackle these problems as they arise, they can really get out of hand. And, you know, the CDC and, you know, the American public health system is really held up as a model for the rest of the world, right? Like other countries have agencies that they call the CDC, even though, as I understand it, those letters might not necessarily like translate to mean anything in, in their native language just because the CDC is such a gold standard agency. And we've seen so many ways in which they've just been kind of caught back footed during the pandemic. And, you know, I, I think it's not a stretch to say that that lack of preparedness has led to lives lost. And so I'm really curious to see as we move into the future 
the kind of work that's going to be done to bulk up our nation's public health system, understanding that it wasn't very strong going into this pandemic? Uh, this is partly a question from, you know, a managing editor to a reporter, um, but it's also a question of, you know, human to human, friend to friend, colleague to colleague, um, because you have for the last year and a half covered the biggest story of our time. And you've also covered it in a way where you've talked to the experts, you've talked to real people. It's it's there's a lot of death and destruction. And I wonder how this has been for you as a person, as a journalist, to cover such a big story. One of the things that's always stressed me out the most as a journalist is this question of whether or not I'm working on the most important story. As a journalist, I try to be really mindful of the power of my attention, right? So like if, if I write a story about a particular issue, I am validating that issue as as one that the public needs to know about, right? And so I think with that comes a lot of responsibility. What's been nice in a way with the pandemic is um, all of that anxiety has disappeared because it has been abundantly clear for a very, very long time that this is the biggest story. And so, you know, it, it has been in some ways kind of nice to not have to worry about whether I'm paying attention to the most important thing. I am not immune from the pandemic, right? Like I thankfully have not had um, any close family members who have gotten severely ill or who have died. I have friends who have had family members die. But, you know, I've just been trying to roll with it like a lot of people have. You know, I'm currently, full disclosure, Alex, talking to you from my basement. <laughs> so, like, you know, I've not been in a studio for most of the last uh, year and a half. Previously, I was doing these conversations from a, a closet in a little 900 square foot condo. So, like, I've been sheltering in, in place with everybody else. I've been dealing with not seeing friends and family with everybody else. So it's not been easy, I think, for anybody to live through a pandemic, regardless of whether or not you've gotten sick or you've known people who've gotten sick. But for me, it's honestly been nice to channel a lot of that energy into actually covering it. For, for me, I'm the kind of person who, like, when I'm anxious about something, I like to really learn about it. And getting a chance to talk with really smart people about the pandemic has, in some ways, also put my anxiety at ease because I feel like I'm, I'm pretty well informed about what's going on. As this pandemic evolves, as our society evolves, as the virus itself evolves, did you wash your hands is going to evolve. It's going to change to a once a week podcast as we start to take a step back and look bigger, right? Macro, bigger macro approach and, and you know, tackle it from a different perspective. I think that's a perfect way to, to frame it, Alex. So this is going to be the last week um, that we do publish two episodes a week. Um, from, from here on out, we're going to be releasing episodes once a week on Thursdays. And, and the idea is not necessarily to stop covering this pandemic because, you know, it's certainly far from over um, despite, you know, how far we've come, but to really go a little bit deeper and broader to maybe change up a little bit of the, the kind of stories that we tell in the podcast. Because I think what we're leaving as we, you know, cross over this uh, July 4th kind of landmark, this is you know, been set out by the Biden administration as a real major landmark when they want 70 percent of all adults in the country to get vaccinated. You know, I, I think this is going to be a time when lots of people really start thinking about the path forward, 
you know, with their post-pandemic lives. And, you know, that means we're hearing from the CDC less. That means we're hearing from state public health officials less. And so I think it takes us, um, you know, we're kind of exiting the all hands on deck. This is a breaking news story that, you know, dominates the headlines from, from dawn to dusk and really moving into the space where the challenges that people face are going to take a little bit more digging to uncover and bring to light as a lot of attention leaves the pandemic uh, as we move into the future. So the hope is that going down to once a week with the show, we can we can bring that depth um, as we continue to stay on what, at least for a health reporter, um, looks like it's going to be the biggest story uh, on my beat for quite a while. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app. That's also where you can leave us a rating and a review. That really helps other people find the show. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. change from shifts in power to a mental health crisis so with all this social change how do we balance the human desire for empathy the business need for productivity and the hope to make an impact in our community this is a new podcast the social impact leader i'm jeff Barker. join me as we explore people doing work a little different available every wednesday at wabe.org forward slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts w-a-b-e